Uh, but whatever, whatever is in your mind, things you've prayed in the last week, I now want us to ask this question. If God was to immediately and miraculously answer yes to every single one of those prayers, what would happen? Now, maybe, depending on what was in your prayer list, something would happen of incredible global significance. Maybe Russia would immediately withdraw from the Ukraine. Or maybe something, it might just be something small. Like maybe you would just have immediately gotten that really close car park at the supermarket that you really needed when you were in a big hurry, right? I pray for those things, those small things. Or maybe, if we're gut-wrenchingly honest, maybe nothing would happen at all. Now, um, uh, these are difficult questions because I thought, oh, kicking off like this, you might kind of hear me as starting the morning with a bit of a guilt trip. You know, what was your prayer list like? Was it non-existent? Was it long? Was it short? Was it significant? Uh, And that's not my intent. I really just want us to get us rolling around in our heads thinking about what it is that we're praying at the moment and why it is that we are praying for those things. What are we praying and why are we praying those prayers? So um, as we've already heard this morning, over the last few weeks, we have been thinking about Lenten practices, if you, if you haven't been here. Um, and as both Josh and Melinda explained when they first introduced the series, I think for many of us, a Lenten practice might not be something in our history. Um, I certainly have not really had a Lenten practice, a, you know, a regular one every year. Um, and the things that I probably knew about Lent were similar to some of the ones... Uh, that were mentioned, like I just remember one of my friends saying, oh yes, I am giving up chocolate for Lent. Um, and I thought that was kind of funny, like so <laughs> 40 days no chocolate and then Easter normally there's a lot of chocolate. <laughs> I was like, okay, you know. Uh, anyway, it's an inter- interesting way to think about it. But um, as we've been thinking about, uh, Lent is much more than just a practice of self-denial, just deciding I will stoically give up my chocolate and then eat a lot at the end. Uh, it's, it's much deeper than that. Uh, and I've, I've really appreciated some of the practices that we've um, considered so far. I read this saying by Anne Voskamp this week. She describes Lent uh, this way. Lent isn't about forfeiting as much as it's about formation. Lent isn't about forfeiting, giving something up, as much as it's about formation. That was helpful for my thinking to think that the goal of these practices, all these things that we've been doing and considering is about who we're becoming. Not so much what we're doing or not doing, but who we're becoming through those practices. So um, hopefully we've been thinking about as well as implementing some of these disciplines that Christians often use in the period leading up to Easter, with the goal not being to master the disciplines, you know, like a great week of fasting or whatever it was, but the goal of the practices is to be shaped and formed more into the likeness of Jesus. And so far, we've looked at confession, fasting, and last week, almsgiving. And uh, this morning, we're coming to this Lenten practice of prayer, in particular, intercessory prayer. Now, of course, none of these practices are confined to the season of Lent. If the only time we did any confessing or praying was just before Easter, we probably wouldn't be going so great. But the idea is that at this time of year, that we practice these things with a real specific intentionality in the lead up to Easter, just as Caitlin's just shared with us her specific intention. Now, um, the last time that I had to give a sermon was just before Christmas. I was thinking about this. And um, 
I confess, uh, since it's a time of confession, Lent, I confess that I was complaining against Melinda uh, because she gave me the Advent topic of joy in a season where I was feeling really sick and tired and grumpy and I just thought that was all a bit ridiculous. It was like someone saying, look, here's something you're really failing at, topic of joy. Um, How about you give a sermon on that? Um, In hindsight, Melinda, I realise that's a little bit awkward to complain against you when you're not uh, present in the building. But today, Melinda is here, perfect, because I really need to air this Um, complaint very publicly and you're here so it's okay Uh, because once again I feel like Melinda has assigned me a topic that I am a complete failure at. I am embarrassed to say that although I followed Jesus for a long time and I feel like I should be at least semi-okay at prayer by now, I'm really not. And so I just want to let you know at the get-go that this sermon is not coming from a place of some kind of mastery. It's really coming from a humble place. I just desperately want to learn and grow in this spiritual practice, and I hope that you do too. So my outline for this morning, I'm just going to look at two things, uh, because we're focusing on intercession. I'm going to look first at what intercession is, and then why we do it. So what it is, why we do it, or maybe why we don't do it. So starting with what is intercession... I have this memory uh, of when I was a kid of this friend of my mum's and she used to visit us sporadically and she was a bit larger than life, that's what I remember about her, she she was very funny, um, always making jokes and things. But I also have this memory of her being described, not by herself, but probably by my mum, as being a real intercessor. And as a kid, I remember thinking this was some kind of, you know, it sounded very spiritual, um, but some special role that she'd been given. You know, some people get chosen to be the pastor, this lady, chosen to be the intercessor. And I thought, you know, it would make sense that obviously she had some special qualities that made her cut out, you know, that she was cut out to be an intercessor uh, because this seemed to be the title assigned to her. As to what she actually did as an intercessor, as a kid, I'm, I'm sure I didn't really quite know, but I thought it was something special and spiritual. Now, of course, at some point in my life, I then discovered that intercession is just a descriptor for a particular type of prayer. And we understand prayer as the practice of talking with God, or perhaps more broadly, how we do life with God. It's the means by which we experience God and how we connect with Him. And of course, intercession is just a specific form of prayer where we ask God for things, save that sounding just like a shopping list, to intercede literally means to come between. That word means as in to go, go between two parties. And so when we think about intercessory prayer, we tend to think about those prayers that we pray on behalf of other people. What exactly are we asking for when we're praying intercessory prayers? Why are we asking for it? Does a prayer of intercession sound like a shopping list, but instead of it's my shopping list, it's the shopping list I'm praying for someone else? Um, Or is intercession somehow deeper than that? Obviously, preparing this, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, I really don't like teaching when I don't have a specific passage. (laughs) Sorry, Melinda. But so I did lots of listening to people far wiser than me. And uh, recently I listened to a teaching series on prayer by a pastor named Tyler Statton. And he really reshaped the way that I think about intercession. 
he casts a really broad biblical picture of intercession. And so I'm going to summarise just a little bit of what, of what he said in four points that I think might be helpful to us today. So, and this is biblical. Uh, so the first point is we were all always supposed to be intercessors. We were all always supposed to be intercessors. So intercession is not just something for the people like, you know, the, the lady when I was a kid who I just thought, she's the intercessor, um, you know, a bit like the Terminator or something. Um, she, she wasn't chosen as a special intercessor. We were all always supposed to be intercessors. It's not just for special prayer warriors. Uh, every person is designed to be an intercessor. Now, that might sound like a stretch. Where does this notion come from? As I said, it's biblical. It comes from Genesis. It's right there at the beginning when God outlines his intent for all people at creation. Uh, he says this. It's in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Now, if you're me, you might read that verse sort of like, well, God created people and then he thought, I better give them something to do so they don't get bored. Let's get them to look after the animals. That sounds like a good job. Um, but of course, that verse is much bigger and so much deeper than that. Uh, if you think about how it's written, it, it says, so that God created people so that they would rule. As in God's purpose in creating us is making us with the purpose of ruling over the world. Woven into God's very intent for us at creation is that we as people should lovingly oversee the world. God creates people in his image. He puts them in charge of looking after his world. Now, we might think that's nice, but what on earth does that have to do with intercession? An, intercession, an intercessor is someone who comes between goes between two parties. So in that sense, humans were designed to be the intercessors between God and his creation. That's in our design, right? That's what he made us to do. We were all always supposed to be intercessors between the creator and his creation. God always intended for us as people to collaborate with him in the writing of human history. Now, as a human race, how do we think we're going with that? We look around and we think about the fact that we live in a world that is pockmarked with pain and suffering and war and brutality and abuse. And I think we would have to say, as a human race, we're probably not doing a very great job at collaborating with God to write human history. And that is because something went horribly wrong. And that's the second point. We lost our role as intercessors. Uh, shortly following the Genesis 1 account is the Genesis 3 account, of course, where we read about how Satan deceives Adam and Eve. And again, if I think about that creation account, you know, I might have a bit of a shallow kind of read on it, like, you know, oops, they eat the fruit, weren't, weren't supposed to do that, it all goes wrong. Uh, but we know it's much more significant than that, isn't it? God had created Adam and Eve as intercessors, who would find their greatest purpose in lovingly collaborating with him to run the world, to write the beautiful story of human history. But Satan deceives them to think otherwise, that God is somehow holding out on them, that being an intercessor is a little bit second rate, you know, not quite, not quite good enough. And that if they eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they can be like God. 
They don't just have to be intercessors. And so in response, we know they doubt God, they believe the lie and the results, they forfeit their role as intercessors. That beautiful relationship that they were created to have with God, to join with Him in the writing of human history, that relationship is broken. And instead of them lovingly overseeing the earth, what happens? Actually, Satan takes over, in a sense, takes over ruling the earth. And the result of that, dysfunction, suffering and pain. We were all always supposed to be intercessors, but we lost our role as intercessors. Thankfully, the story doesn't end there. We know that the beautiful story of the rest of the Bible is one of restoration. That's point number three. Jesus restores our role as intercessors. The very first promise that's given after the fall, straight after it in Genesis 3.15, is this one. God says, I will put enmity between you, that is Satan, and the woman, between your offspring and hers, He, that is the offspring of the woman, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, out of context, this is a bit cryptic, a bit of a difficult promise to understand. And I know we're not studying Genesis this morning. uh, But within that biblical context, we understand God is promising that Jesus, the offspring of the woman, is going to crush the head of Satan. And the significance of that phrase is not just, yes, he'll be crushed because it says he will crush your head and the head is indicative of management or the place from which you rule. That is, in other words, Jesus will destroy the rule of Satan. We were all always supposed to be intercessors. We lost our role as intercessors, but Jesus restores our role as intercessors by crushing Satan's rule. So Jesus makes a way for us to regain our original purpose, to lovingly collaborate with God in the writing of human history. Now, Levi, if you've gone to sleep in the last 10 minutes, I respect that because we were supposed to be thinking about prayer and I've been bashing on about Satan and creation and all sorts of things from Genesis. Okay, but even if we just took a short mental break for a minute there, uh, now's the time to regain our consciousness because the fourth point is about prayer. Prayer is the primary way that we carry out our role as intercessors. Prayer is the primary way we carry out our role as intercessors. Jesus comes, he restores our our creation purpose to be intercessors, enabling us once more, as originally intended, to collaborate with God in the writing of human history. And the primary way we can do that is through prayer. Prayer is the way that we get to distribute God's abundant resources here on earth. Now, I wonder, is that how you and I really think? Like if you really want to make a difference with your life, if you really want to see the beauty of God's kingdom here on earth, where would you start? Surely you'd start with some action. Surely you'd get on and do something. It sounds like something that should require some hard work. Most of us think the primary way we can bring about God's kingdom purposes on the earth is through action. And of course, action is required, but maybe it's not the starting point. Uh, One example of this, a verse I found really helpful thinking about this this week, um, is when Paul writes to Timothy, a quick context of uh, of the situation. Paul, we know, is travelling around. He's starting churches everywhere. And Timothy is like his young offsider and helping him out. And so Timothy has gone to the church in Ephesus to help sort out some problems. 
the church there was experiencing some difficulties at the time. There was some people amongst them wreaking havoc. And so Paul is writing to Timothy to help him to know how to sort out what's going on in the church in Ephesus. And interestingly, if you think about that, you would think there should be a long list of things to do. Hey, Timothy, get this happening, Um, particularly amongst these people who were causing division. And of course, you'll find instructions in the letter. But interestingly, uh, just in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy, Paul writes this. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for all people. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and it pleases God our Saviour, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul says, first of all, you should start with prayers and intercession. And uh, I think it's true for us too. The starting point for us to usher in the beauty of the kingdom of God here on earth, the primary way that we can bring about God's good purposes is through prayer. So let's think again back to that list of the things that we might have prayed in the last week and ask these questions. Did you and I pray knowing that we were designed as intercessors, that actually we were created and invited to partner with God in bringing about his good intentions here on earth? If I answer that question, honestly, I would have to answer no. You know, when I prayed, I asked God for a few things, but deep down somewhere, I probably wondered whether they would really happen anyway. Uh, sometimes if I pray, I actually, maybe, I don't think this consciously, but somewhere subconsciously, I probably think I'm just wasting my breath. Why? Well, you know, sometimes I think, well, God, he's uh, totally in control. I know he's all powerful. He's perfectly good. He's all wise. And he's probably got this, you know. Surely he's just going to do whatever he wants. What do my piddly little prayers really matter in the end anyway? This truth about the fact that we're created as intercessors reminds us that God is actually a relational God. Yes, he's all of those things. He is all powerful. He's perfectly good. He's completely wise. He's all loving. And he does not need you or I as intercessors. But he chooses to give us that role. This is how he chooses to work on earth because he loves to live in relationship with his people. He is genuinely a relational God. He actually cares about what's in your heart and in your thoughts. He is a loving father who listens to his children. If you have kids, just imagine if every time one of your kids came to you expressing a, a desire, a thought, a dream, a plan, you know, as simple as, oh, hey, dad, let's go to the beach today, um, whatever it is, Imagine if every time they said that, you shut them down. Yep, interesting idea, but no, we're not going to do that. We're going to do what I think. Um, You would not be a very loving parent. Now, of course, we know as parents, there are plenty of times that you overrule your children's desires or wants because you love them and you don't want life to turn out horribly for them. And sometimes you have to, in your wisdom, uh, choose what you know is best. But many times you will respond to their requests and desires because you love them and you love living in relationship with them. And this is what God is like toward us. 
Uh, one of my favourite stories with this in mind is found, um, it's in the Old Testament, it's in Exodus 32. And a uh, quick context, it's when the people of Israel, um, despite the fact that God has just miraculously saved them out of hundreds of years of slavery in Egypt, they turn their backs on God's, God and they do some, um, let's call it downright dodgy things. And in response to this, their leader at the time, their human leader is Moses. And God says to Moses, I've had enough. And I am, I am not going to deal with these people anymore. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to destroy them. And in response, Moses prays. He talks back to God and he pleads with God, don't do it. Don't wipe them out. And what happens? The text says that God relents. That is, he changes his intended action in response to Moses' prayer. One minute, God says he's going to wipe the people out because they've done some hideous things. And the next minute, he says that he won't. Why? What happens in between? God is moved. His heart is moved by Moses' impassioned request. And he acts in response to what Moses asks. God is a relational God and he cares about your heart and your thoughts, which means our, our prayers are not just falling on the ears of someone who's already made up his mind. Uh, he is a whole lot wiser than us. He, he does have things sorted out, but our prayers fall on the ears of God who is just waiting and listening and who loves to be in relationship with us. He wants to collaborate with you and I to write human history. He wants to join with us to put the world to rights which is pretty amazing if you think about it. So when you offer up a prayer, do you genuinely believe that God is interested in your thoughts, in your heart, in your desires? In this Lenten season, I'm really hoping that we might have a heart shift in how we approach God in prayer, that we might approach Him as our Father who genuinely wants to hear our prayers. He wants to hear us express our thoughts and our hearts. What is intercession? Intercession is collaborating with God to write human history because you and I are created to be intercessors and God wants to work with us to bring about his good kingdom purposes in the world. So that's what is intercession. Uh, now let's think about why intercession and I promise you this second half is a bit shorter. <laughs> um, why intercession? Uh, I just wonder how many people in the room today or online with us when it comes to prayer, uh, just feel like you are absolutely smashing it. There's probably a couple of you. Um, there might be most of you. I don't know. The people in the room who just love prayer, first thing in the morning, you know, you're just out of bed and the first thing on your mind, you just can't wait to spend some time in prayer. Now, maybe I am in the minority, but I have to say that is not me. I wish I could tell you that I rise before the sun to catch the quiet, that I crave so much being in the presence of God and spending time with Him in prayer. But that would be a big fat lie. Uh, if I told you about the first thing in the morning at the moment, well, I wake up and I poke a stick up my nose for the umpteenth time doing a rat test required by my workplace uh, so that before 6.30am so that they know that I am not a liability in the classroom. And then usually uh, I do, I wait 
um, for Brad to bring me a delicious decaf coffee. Thank you, Brad. Um, which I'm deep down hoping has some sort of placebo effect, you know, even though it's decaf, that it'll just give me some energy to crawl out of bed. And then what I do next, usually I check my phone. Mostly I'm looking for the list of absent teachers to see which music staff have um, succumbed to being isolated or quarantined and whose classes I have to cover today. Now, that's maybe not your scenario, but maybe I'm not alone. Maybe some of you struggle with prayer too. Maybe for some of us, it just feels like hard work or just some sort of religious duty. Something that we should sort of, you know, every now and do every now and then, but we kind of do it out of a guilt trip. Maybe for some of us, it falls into that category of the lists of things I know I really should do. I really ought to do. Maybe sometimes we just find it a bit boring and seemingly ineffective. Growing up, my parents, bless them, beautiful people, uh, they endeavoured in our family to maintain a routine of family devotions. And what this would look like, it would usually happen after dinner. And uh, my dad would usually read something, usually something from the Bible, and then, you know, he might offer a few thoughts or someone else might. And then part of the devotion time is we would have family prayers. And this would involve, you had to go around the table um, I've got three sisters, you know, so it takes a while, a lot of people, and because every, everyone needs to take a turn to, to pray. And what do I remember most about this? Uh, I remember the family member, who shall remain nameless, who would often pray for a very long time. And uh, I just remember that strong, squirmy kid feeling where I was just like, ugh, could you wind it up now? Like it's been going on. And um, I just knew, like this, you know, I'm a kid, but I'm thinking there's just things I really want to do. And of course, this is, I'm old, so this is prior to the age of digital distraction. Um, and we're a bit of a weird family. We didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. Um, and although we had a, a computer, I was not rushing off to play Minecraft or anything. Um, I probably, truth be told, embarrassing, I probably just wanted to do my homework. Um, but even that homework uh, seemed like a better alternative to the long family prayer that was going on and on. And I was thinking about this and like my feelings about prayer and where they came from. Uh, I thought before we tackle the why of intercession, we should briefly think about the why not. What are the barriers the things that stand in the way that keep us from praying. Why did I have that squirmy feeling as a kid? Well, of course, there are many barriers in the way, but I just want to talk about three of them that I think might be significant for us this morning. And the first barrier is self-sufficiency. Prayer, by its very nature, acknowledges that we are dependent on God. We live in a country we are, where we are so incredibly wealthy, making us, in material terms, very self-sufficient, very independent rather than heavily dependent. Why would I ask God for my daily bread when I can go to the supermarket and get it myself, right? Of course, that kind of shallow thinking misses the fact that I am actually entirely dependent on God. I'm dependent on him for the next breath I take, let alone for all the other good gifts that he showers on me on a daily basis. Why don't we pray? Maybe when we pray, our prayers are often 
are not an expression of our dependence on God. Maybe sometimes they are just lists of things that we hope to get our own way in. Sometimes our self-sufficiency maybe stands in the way of us praying. The second one is digital distraction. Once upon a time, um, before some people here were born, there was something called boredom. Um, There were those moments, I remember, when you had to wait for a long time and there was absolutely nothing to do. Uh, Even just waiting in a queue to be served, something, you know, you're there for a few minutes. And in those, those times, when you're bored, you usually think, you contemplate things. And actually that in itself opens up this space where you can actually wake to the reality of God in the space, in the waiting. But now in the age we live in, we are wired in most waiting moments to some kind of digital distraction. Who, when they're waiting in a queue, doesn't pull out their phone to check whether you're checking your email or checking the weather or checking the news or scrolling some sort of social media. Most people in waiting moments reach for something. It's not just the waiting moments either, is it? It's the tired moments. It's those small pockets of spare time that we might have. Why do we often choose some sort of digital distraction, whether it's Netflix or the news, over something that's more meaningful? I think that's a complex thing, but one of the things about it, face value, I think sometimes the digital distraction is just easier. It's easier often than the better thing that we could choose. Uh, Also, of course, we know there's people in multi-billion dollar corporations who are being paid large sums of money to work out how you and I think and basically how they can uh, 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 addict us to digital media because it makes money for them. And so I think in this age of digital distraction, it is a difficult uh, generation in which to learn to pray because in the quiet moments, reaching for some kind of digital distraction is just easier. And unfortunately, it does become a habit that's hard to break. And the third one, things that might be barriers. Why don't, why don't we pray? Why are we not often intercessors? Um, I think sometimes we have confusion over our unanswered prayers. There's all these things I feel like I ask God for, and it doesn't seem like he's listening. It doesn't seem like he's doing anything. Why would I keep talking when it feels like I'm talking to no one? Uh, With this in mind, we acknowledge prayer is both a wonder and a mystery. It's a wonder that God should want to act on earth in response to the request of a human. That boggles my mind, actually. But it is also a mystery. It's a mystery as to why God answers some prayers and not others. This is a complex topic. People write whole books about it. We could go read some, especially if that, that is a bit of a, um, a blockage or a barrier for you. Um, we don't have time to explore them this morning. But I think sometimes I acknowledge for myself, I do become a little bit fatalistic in my thinking. You know, God's wise. He's going to do what he, think, what he wants to, what he thinks anyway. He's got better ideas than me. And as a result, um, I, I think, oh, those prayers I prayed weren't answered. You know, why would I pray anymore? Um, then then that can be a hindrance. That can be a barrier to my prayer life. So I just want to acknowledge a few of those things. What what are some of the reasons why God doesn't answer our prayers? Uh, Some of them we hear quoted very often. You know, like sometimes if we ask for things with the wrong motive, um, 
if we think about interceding as being uh, uh, actually bringing God's kingdom purposes about here on earth, if I'm praying for a Porsche and a pay rise, probably doesn't really align with God's kingdom priorities. Um, I, I don't think that's his highest goal for me. So sometimes it's our motives. motives. Sometimes the timing is wrong. We know sometimes God requires us to wait. Uh, and often that's because during that waiting period, there's something that he's doing in us. Uh, sometimes prayers are not answered because there's a clash of wills, right? We woke up this morning and you were praying for rain because you're tired of the heat and I'm praying for sunshine because I want to have a picnic or whatever it is. And it's, it's simultaneously not possible for those, both those two prayers to be answered. Um, some prayers are underneath it a sort of request to override something in the natural order uh, which doesn't necessarily make sense you know if you're out on the road on the open road somewhere a bit remote and you suddenly run out of petrol you didn't plan well or your petrol gauge doesn't work or something and so you think oh help God I need some petrol um, we wonder like what's what's underneath that prayer what are we really asking God for please, can you materialise a petrol station right here, um, right here, right now? It's sort of against the natural order. Or maybe we're asking, could you send out a petrol assistant to just materialise one to bring me petrol? Um, now, we know that God can do mir miracles, but I'm just not sure whether that particular request is a miracle that would bring about God's kingdom purposes on earth. Um, another reason, we know that God is a loving father and actually, he does love us enough to override some of our prayers because he knows that sometimes that request won't be the best thing for us. And if I think back on some of the things I've asked for in life that God has not given me, in hindsight, I'm very thankful that he lovingly and wisely overruled my prayer and didn't give it to me because uh, I think things would not have turned out well. Some prayers we know are hindered by the ongoing chaos of the fall. We know Jesus has brought salvation, but we still long and pray and wait for that day when our salvation experience is complete and all things are um, restored, when the, fall, the, the effects of the fall are reversed. Some of our prayers are hindered by that ongoing chaos. Uh, but the last one, I mean, there's plenty of these. We, we, this is the last one I'll share this morning, is that it's helpful to acknowledge about the way that we pray, that we are not characters in some kind of cosmic pre-controlled charade. We're actually created with the ability to choose. Now, this morning, if I pray, God, make Putin stop, make him stop this madness, I guess I'm kind of asking God to override Putin's free will. Yes, his ability to choose. Now, although we know God is all-powerful and that he could do that, if God intervened, if he overrode everyone's free will all the time, somehow we would not be um, the humans he created us to be anymore, would we? Because we'd kind of be puppets in some sort of charade where he just controlled everything. And that's hard to understand. That needs, a, that needs a lot more thought, but that's one to take away. Now, with those things in mind, it, we can get a bit caught in confusion. Whoa, you know, like, what, uh, uh, is my prayer unanswered because I asked for the wrong thing? Did I have the wrong motive? Was it the wrong time? Uh, what should I really ask for? And to that, I would just say unanswered prayer is far better than unasked prayer. 
are always better off asking because we know that we're asking our loving Father. We can trust Him. We can speak our minds and know that He's got the outcome. We can trust Him with the outcome of it. So that's a little bit the why not, the barriers that keep us from prayer. Just very quickly, why? What is it that can motivate us to prayer? We want to be motivated not by guilt, not by a sense of religious duty, but by God's loving invitation. Um, I thought of this, it's like when Brad tells me that he's booked, oh, I've booked for us to go and have dinner. Now, when he says that, do I think, ugh, I guess I should, <laughs> I ought to go eat dinner with you. No, I want to go have dinner with, with him at his loving invitation. And it's not just because I like food, I do like food, um, but it's because I love my husband and I love his company. I genuinely want to spend time with him. Maybe it's helpful if we think about prayer rather than on that duty list of the things we ought to do as just this loving invitation from God. Because the goal of prayer, first and foremost, why we pray, it's about loving relationship. It's the way that we do life with God and how we connect with Him. And our primary goal in prayer isn't to get God to do what we think He should do, but actually just to enjoy His company. It's conversation with the goal of connection. The end goal is relationship. And all relationships require some sort of discipline. But the discipline doesn't come out of guilt or obligation. The discipline comes because we just really value that relationship. We carve out time. We set aside other things uh, because we really uh, want to develop the relationship. Why do we pray about loving relationship? Why do we intercede? And intercession, because it's a prayer for another, by nature needs to be motivated out of love for the other. That means to intercede in prayer requires us to turn from our endless self-obsessions, turn away from my wants, my desires, my needs, my agenda, and turn to the needs of the other. Intercessory prayer is an act of compassion and love. So where can we start if we're struggling with prayer? Someone encouraged me recently, start small, pray as you can, Pray where you can. Pray when you're driving to pick up the kids. Pray while you're in the shower. Start small. And then my other encouragement for us this morning, which we'll do in a moment, is to start with someone else instead of starting on your own. Sometimes that just takes out the thing of um, praying, but then your mind getting distracted and you're all over the place. And um, when, when I was in my early 20s, I was really blessed to be invited to be part of a leadership team in a Christian ministry where I got to teach a bunch of kids. And one of the requirements of this ministry was a, a weekly training session. It was, it was pretty intense. And this training session occurred on a Saturday morning uh, and it commenced at 6.30 a.m. And uh, I am not a morning person, <laughs> not, not even remotely. And when I was that age, I actually had some kind of social life. So Friday nights, that's, you know, that's a time to go out. And so Saturday morning at 6.30am, that was a real stretch. Um, I was quite embarrassed <laughs> one morning. This is the kind of state I would be in. I, I, you know, I got there, I was always sort of running late and I got in there. 
And I was like halfway, it was like a two hour training session. I was halfway through the session when I realized that I was wearing my clothes inside out. Yes, that's how, that's how tired and foggy I was. And that's the sort of state that I used to go in. But at those trainings, we would start the morning by kneeling together and praying. And needless to say, when I started, it was not a highlight for me. I just probably was just trying to not yawn or battling to stay awake. But by the time I finished in that ministry many years later, that prayer time, that time of worship and intercession was one of the things that I missed the most. I missed the opportunity to just relish the presence of God with other people. So if you're struggling, I encourage you to do, well, you don't have to do that, but start, start with someone else, even just one other person. Start praying with someone else. So our practice for this morning, with all this in mind, of course, our practice this, is this morning is to spend some time in prayer, particularly in an intercession, to join together and to ask God to bring about his kingdom purposes here on earth. Now, of course, this is a bit broad. There's all sorts of things we could pray for. Um, but I still have that verse from Timothy in mind um, where he, he calls, Paul is calling Timothy and the church at Ephesus to pray for kings, those in authority, in order that they might live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. He says, this is good and pleases God our Saviour. So I want us to spend some time this morning uh, interceding, praying for those in authority, for our leaders and um, I want us to start here in our church community and think, then think about our broader community and then think about the global community. So I'll kind of move us through this, but what I'm going to ask you to do is just find one or two people um, near you to pray with and then uh, we'll, we'll pray about some of these things together. I just want to acknowledge this is really hard with masks on because it's hard to hear each other, especially when we're all making noise at the same time. And to be honest, sometimes the whole like sitting in a row and praying together, I just find really awkward. Um, but I encourage you to try and just keep in mind that um, even if you're, we all talk at the same time or we can't hear each other, God hears our hearts and he hears our prayers. Uh, and I, I just yeah, really want us to have a go at this this morning. So... Let's find someone near us and let's start in our immediate Richmond community. Let's, let's pray for our leadership here. I want us to pray firstly for our current pastoral team, our current leadership team, and of course for a new lead pastor because we don't have one yet. Okay, so let's take a couple of minutes, find someone near you and pray with them. Let's just bring those prayers to a close. And now let's take a moment to pray for our government. We know we've had a change, a very recent change in our local South Australian government, but there's also an upcoming federal election. Uh, let's take a moment now to pray for our leaders here in Australia. And finally this morning, let's take a moment to pray for uh, our leaders on a global scale. I think in particular this morning, let's pray for the situation in Ukraine, but for all the global leaders who might have an opportunity for influence in that situation. I'm going to finish this morning with a prayer of intercession. Uh, I didn't write it. It's penned by Anne Voskamp, and it is about the current uh, situation in Ukraine. I'm going to share that and then I invite you to um, 
not share coffee, <laughs> but share uh, in conversation and connecting with each other. Well, let's finish together this morning. Though missiles rain from the sky this morning, we cry out and we ask, rain down your mercy, Lord. Though black smoke rises, our prayers rise higher and surer and greater. Though explosions shatter and gunfire rattles, we hold our ground in the face of pain and we want to move toward the suffering our hands reaching with bold solidarity. Ours is a tired world, Lord. It's weary of suffering, weary of the dark, weary of all the heartbreak. Ours is a tired world, weary for hope. Raise us up, we ask, with the indomitable certainty that this world is a broken one, but you alone are our unwavering hope, King Jesus. Lord, hear our cry. Comfort children who are crying terrified. Give courage to their mothers who gather to calm them. Strengthen the leaders who stand steady to try to find a way to peace. For those who need to flee, may they find our arms and the arms of many around the world a safe haven. For those who are hungry, May they find our open hands and the hands of many around the world offering bread for today and living bread for all eternity. For all the limping, weary and wounded, may they find us holding on to each other because when we live like we all belong to each other, we answer so much of the longing in the world, even our own. And for all those who despair, both near and far, may they find our hands and feet today to be the hands and feet of King Jesus. We who get to be his very body of peace in a hurting world today. God, bring about your kingdom purposes through us, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.